What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond, you're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers. And yes, that's new intro music from your boy Portland's own Dre Slaps. Thank you, Dre. We appreciate you here at Locked on Blazers. One of Rip City's own, giving us a little bit of music. We needed some positivity from Rip City tonight, too, because those Portland Trail Blazers got walloped. Molly whopped, smacked, dragged, beat down. You name it, it happened to him. A 111-88 loss to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Blazers' fewest points in any of the 85 games they've played this season. First time they failed to crack 90. Just the eighth time all year in all those games. It's including the seeding games, regular season, and the playoffs where they haven't scored 100 points. Getting a little ahead of myself with stats. We're going to talk about the game. We're talking about game two tonight. Lakers beat the Blazers. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. We do things here in three parts, three segments. It's going to be all about game two today. We got to lead with the big news. The big headline, Damian Lillard dislocated his left index finger and he plans to play in game three. That's what we'll talk about in, in this first segment. Then I want to talk about the, the Lakers defense that really stifled the Blazers in game two and then in Looking ahead in the third segment, close out the show, how the Blazers can bounce back in Game 3. Some solutions and suggestions for how the Blazers can bounce back in Game 3. But let's start with the big one. Damian Lillard with about a minute and 40 seconds left in the third quarter, and the Blazers down 30. Yeah, 30. The game was over uh, with, you know, three minutes left in the third quarter. Ball game, y'all. Uh, maybe even before that. But Dame's still in the game with about a minute 40 left in the, in the third quarter, and he reaches around Anthony Davis, also still in the game. Hmm. In any case, Dame kind of reaches around to swipe the ball away from behind and catches what looks like he caught Anthony Davis on his heel. Immediately grabbed his left hand, grimaced. Uh, there was like a stoppage in play, so he was able to exit immediately. Goes to the bench, and uh, he he kind of did some things like that that are bad indicators for a real injury. And one of them, when a, an athlete gets hurt, is that they appear very pissed because they realize that they're going to miss a significant amount of time. And he threw his towel on TV. And to me, that moment, I was like, oh, shit, he's he's hurt. He's like really hurt. This is bad. You know, uh, injuries stink. Injuries to, you know, players you really enjoy watching stink even more. But just like as a human, this is just like what a, an absolute bummer time to get hurt. But he goes in the back, gets gets an x-ray. It comes back negative, And he's ruled out for the rest of the game. But the game was over. Like, it, he wasn't going to come back anyways, even if he had been fine. If, it, if he, um, he wouldn't have come back in the game because they're just getting stomped. But... They, they announced it as a dislocation, and then there's a lot of speculation about, will he play? I'm going to click on my favorite uh, my favorite medical professionals online, including Jeff Stotts, at in street clothes on Twitter, who pointed out that dislocations like dames to a hand, typically guys don't miss uh, extended periods of time. So I'm like, okay, this is good, but here's sort of the, the kicker was uh, Terry Stotts gets up there post-game interview does what he does which is not really answer information about um injuries he just doesn't do it uh, i don't it, it he's just it, it's not even worth trying i'll talk about it in a second but uh dame gets up there and the reporter says you know what what's your status gonna be for game three and dame said no hesitation oh i'm playing i'm playing so i i 
I walked you four minutes into this podcast before telling you that Damian Lowe is going to play, but uh, he's going to play. He's going to play in game three. Um, he was confident. He said he had never dislocated his, his finger before. Um, he said he wasn't quite sure. He thought he hit it on Anthony Davis's heel. doesn't sound like he went back and watched the replay. A lot of guys will go back and watch if they have minor injuries or even sometimes serious ones. They'll rewatch it just to kind of figure out what happened and, and things like that. Sounds like he didn't watch it. He just kind of... Um, realized that his finger was sore, realized the team got stomped and was ready to go home. But Dame's going to play. So don't worry about it. But I want to talk about one more exchange. Uh, the Maybe the first question in Stotts' media availability was, why was Dame out there? And Terry, very defensively, he didn't handle it very well, but uh, he just said, he was why, you know, why was Dame out there in a 30-point game with a minute left in the third quarter? And he said he was out there because he was playing basketball. Great question. And he was rude about it. Um, Terry's very defensive about injury stuff. He's kind of de- very defensive. But in general, I, I thought, like, if if you saw that interaction, um, maybe you, th- you thought it was a, a, a fair question that Stotts handled it poorly. And I do think Stotts handled it poorly. But here's why I don't think it's necessarily a fair question. Because... It doesn't get to the it doesn't get to the root of what you're trying to to learn to ascertain. You're trying to learn why the coach still had his guys out there. So uh, maybe a more tactful way to get like a real answer out of him would be: Did you think about pulling the starters earlier? He's going to say no. Okay, why not? And then he's going to go into he's going to launch into this thing about you know still trying to win the game and all these things. But that is actually that's that's his reasoning. I'm still trying to win the game, even if it's cliched. Like that's the actual answer you want. Saying why the hell was Dame out there is kind of just like a gotcha moment to like talk tough and and Terry handle it really poorly, maybe a little embarrassingly. But it, it wasn't. It's not an effective way. Um, you're just not getting out. You're not going to get from the coach what you want. So um, if you didn't see that interaction happen in, in the nationally televised post-game interviews, I'm not going to drop it in here because I don't think it's particularly interesting audio. But still, I think it's um, it's worth noting that the Lakers had Anthony Davis on the court. Teams emptied their benches. Nobody nobody important played at the end in, this, in the fourth quarter at all. Uh, the Blazers, you got to see an extended run of Jalen Horde and Jalen Adams. Anthony Simons played the entire fourth quarter. But at the end of the third, Anthony Davis was still out there. And he was still out there with starter Contavious Caldwell-Pope. He was still out there with uh, Alex Caruso, who plays serious important minutes. He was on the court with Mark uh, Markeith Morris, who's, a, who's like a real-life important contributor for the Lakers, along with Dwight Howard. This wasn't Quinn Cook and Jared Dudley and Deion Waiters. Those dudes played at the end of the game. The Lakers still had their regulars out there, and so did the Blazers. This is a normal thing. It's not that weird. Sure, you can say that the Blazers should have waved the white flag earlier. That is okay criticism. That is really reasonable. That is a that is a criticism that you could probably have. Um, the game had been over since about the four or five minute mark of the third quarter. Like they just if they didn't have it, the Lakers were whooping their ass. But I don't think the sort of gotcha moment with Stotts in the post game was particularly productive for anyone. And I don't think if you're, if you're, I just, this is more just sort of like, um, I'm offering you, dear listener, a little bit of, uh, I guess, media literacy. That's a service I offer as someone who's spent a lot of time interviewing the team over the last six seasons. Also, I just thought that was a strange interaction and was worth addressing. And I, I think the complaint is, is, 
um, probably legit, but um, the interaction itself was super strange. So, th- so the Blazers got whacked in game in game two. Damian Lillard says he's going to play through a dislocated finger in game three, but before the injury and before things went south, or rather as things went south, it was because the Lakers turned up the defense. I want to talk about what we saw from Los Angeles on the defensive end and how they stifled your Portland Trailblazers. And that's what we'll do in the second segment. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. And you can go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything you need. Engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet. You name it, they got it. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices you prefer. And the prices are the best part because at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low and they're the same for professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend twice as much for the same parts? Don't do that. Instead, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right. More Dre Slaps music. We got new music drops. Exciting to hear them here on Lockdown Blazers. Damian Lillard is going to play through a dislocated index finger. That was the news of the day. The Dame looked hurt. There was a moment when when this season looked like it was going to come to a really disappointing end. But if Dame's on the court, the Blazers have a chance. Here's the problem. The other team on the court is really good. The Lakers played pretty good defense in game one. They held the Blazers to 39% shooting, but the Blazers kind of hung around. They got to the free throw line, game was close, and when the game was on the line, the Blazers, a better shooting team, made shots when it mattered. They hit five threes down in the final seven minutes that really changed the game. The Blazers had played 10 games in the bubble prior to this one, in Orlando prior to this one. And all 10 of those games have been decided by five points, or within five points rather in the final five minutes. They were all clutch, clutch time as defined by the NBA. Five points in either direction in the final five minutes. This was the first game that was just a beat down. And the reason they got beat down is because the Lakers were really, really good on defense. They held the Blazers when their starters were in the game to 19 points in the first quarter, 20 points in the second quarter, 19 points in the third. Blazers against the bench scored 30 in the fourth quarter, finished with 88, like I mentioned at the very top of the show, the fewest points they've scored all season. So how did they do it? What was their secret? Um, I think it's like a Jeff Van Gundy joke, or maybe it's a a Steve Clifford joke. I just read it this week. I think it's Steve Clifford citing Jeff Van Gundy. He says that when... um, when a team wins that sports writers, uh, which I'm in this medium, a sports talker, but I also write for NBC sports.com. But writers like to say that, uh, you know, this team made an adjustment. Whereas the truth is more that, uh, their adjustment was just play better, which I think is actually typically 
typically true. But here in game two, the Lakers did, they did make an adjustment. Why I set it up with that is because I, I worry that it's like, it's a cliche, but I think the cliche is right here. I think they did indeed make an adjustment. The biggest change was that in game one, the, um, the Lakers sent kind of slow double teams and not even necessarily double teams of Damian Lillard, more like a hard hedge. And I think the difference there is that instead of just sending two guys to the ball, they would kind of wait until the screen came and then have the big man meet Dame around the screen and kind of deal with him. Um, they also played a little bit of drop coverage in that game one, whereas the, where that scheme is such that the big guy drops back into the paint and the guard chases Dame over the top of the screen and tries to, tries to run him off the three-point line by staying close to him from behind um, by, by going over the screen. And then the, the big man kind of plays center field and, and keeps Dame out of the paint. Um, that doesn't work against players like Damon Lillard's caliber. Um, drop coverage is getting... I think it's going to get slowly phased out of the league. It works against specific players. It doesn't work against a guy like Dame. And, and so the Lakers, they got rid of that. Instead, they not only, they and they kind of got rid of the hard hedges too. They, they showed that a little bit of, of him coming around the screen. But the big adjustment, as long as we're talking X's and, X's and O's in this segment, is that they just sent two guys to the ball. And they basically zoned up behind it. And whereas Dame had been better against... Um, Traps in general, I think the Lakers' length, particularly uh, Anthony Davis and JaVale McGee's length, gave him a little bit of problems with with the way they played behind that. Uh, I thought he committed some early turnovers because behind the ball, so if, if it's, you know, Anthony Davis and Contavious Caldwell-Pope on the ball, behind the ball you've got Danny Green and LeBron James kind of freelancing and and Dame explained afterwards that he kept when he would come across half court he'd see the the defense coming out higher to come after him and hear the Lakers yelling box 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 basically playing a zone behind him and keeping Dame like in a zoned into a box keeping him kind of like squared away so maybe if it wasn't like immediately really deep pressure it was two guys in his face and making him give up the ball so I think what the Blazers didn't do in this game is that they did not, um, they didn't get the ball out of Dame's hands fast enough. And the other guys didn't, the other non-Dame guys struggled a little bit early on. And so the, the Lakers just got a bunch of momentum and ran away with the game. But the, those traps was, that was a real life adjustment. Those, and I think we're going to see more of that. Um, it wasn't crazy, crazy trapping. It's almost like a, just like a zone trapping, like just making sure Dame sees bodies. So he can't pull up from 35 feet. Um, you know, sees bodies at that 35 foot range, crowding his space, um, making it harder for him to get into stuff. He has a tendency there to kind of stall and read and say, okay, here's where it's going to happen. And then, and then try to make his move off of that. And sometimes that'll waste 10, 12 seconds of the shot clock. And then the Blazers will get up against it and get terrible shots off. And you'll have a, uh, Carmelo or, or Gary Trent Jr. Isolation, or you'll just be asking CJ to bail, um, the offense out there in the, in the waning seconds. I think, uh, they didn't do a very good job of getting that ball out quick. They didn't do a very good job of maybe letting Dame not bring the ball up the floor. So CJ initiates. Um, Dame likes to have the ball in his hands. He likes to run high pick and rolls. Like he 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 he's gonna see traps because the thing he's most comfortable with invites traps. He wants to run a high pick and roll. Like that's 
That is a, a thing you can trap. He's not Steph Curry. He's not the guy who runs off a thousand screens and relocates and always and always is always moving. That's just not Dame's game. He's devastating in a more sort of forceful, uh, in-your-face type of way, a more fu type of way than than Curry's. Like, haha, did you see that magic? The other thing that the Lakers did, the other big adjustment that they did, was they played Anthony Davis at the five a little bit more, not dramatically more, but a little bit more. I, I've I haven't looked at the numbers specifically, but um, just in my notes from uh, from this game, they did it. They went to it earlier than they had in previous games. That meant that uh, Marcus Morris came, or Markeith Morris rather, excuse me, came in and he played the four next to and let LeBron stay at the three, or they moved LeBron up, and that kind of negated what the Blazers had done effectively with the Hassan Whiteside and Yusuf Nurkic pairing. Now I thought Hassan Whiteside was pretty bad for the first three quarters in Game One, and then he had like really crucial plays down the stretch in in, in that one in the fourth quarter and like kind of saved the Blazers. But I thought he was really bad in um, early on in that in Game One, and he was pretty bad again here in, in game two and the minutes that um and even in any case though the minutes that Hassan and Nurk played together were relatively positive and when the Blazers go or when the Lakers go a little bit smaller the Blazers don't have a chance to um run their two centers as much and the, the Blazers rosters so depleted that they just don't have other looks that really match up well against um Against the Lakers, when they downsize a little bit, I think it it it's a good adjustment by the Lakers because it forces the Blazers to match up in a way that they just aren't as good. It's um, it it makes it makes for a real challenge for them. I think um, it's undeniable that that's a real challenge. Uh, the other thing that the like a very small thing that the the Lakers did was that LeBron didn't shoot very much in this game. I think he only took ten shots in the end. Pardon me, he took 11 shots. I, sh- I shortchanged him. But one thing they did with LeBron is they less um, elbow high post stuff and more just when Gary Trent Jr. was on him, walk, not even back Gary Trent down, but get LeBron off the ball, let him run to the post and get deep post position and bully Gary Trent. Um, I, I liked what Trent effort he gave against LeBron James, but he's just not strong enough to guard him. And LeBron realized that after not taking advantage of that in game one, that's what he did. So those are some key adjustments the Lakers made to 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 actually change the game, right? They sent a zone-type double team a little bit higher. They played Anthony Davis at center a little more often, and they posted up LeBron James a handful of times to specifically take advantage of the matchup. But in the spirit of Steve Clifford and Jeff Van Gundy and the early 2000s Rockets staff that I guess they worked on together... Um, the thing that the Blazers or the things that the Lakers did that wasn't an adjustment is that they just made way more shots. They were five of thirty-two from three in game one. And if you remember, if you recall the podcast I did after that game, I said they're gonna make they're gonna make more threes. Well, they did. They hit about league average from three. 14 of 38, that's 37%. I think league average is like a shade above 36. So the Lakers, when they make almost no three-pointers they're imminently beatable when they hit about the league average from three on basically the same number of attempts six more but um it's hard to you know the fourth quarter can kind of throw it out a little bit but basically the same number of attempts and they make league average and they roll over the blazers i saw an interesting stat from seth partno of the athletic.com on twitter he was quoting a league source who has access to second spectrum 
tracking data. And according to Partno, the Lakers left 46 expected points on the board in game one based on their shot quality. So it seems like it all came pouring back in game two. Blazers offense wasn't good. Let the let the Lakers get out in transition. Early in the game, the Blazers gave up some offensive rebounds, giving the second chance opportunities, and just the natural three-point shooting. Just just shooting at a just being a league average three-point shooting team allowed the Blazers to roll in this one. I think this one kind of snowballed. Lakers looked like the best team in the West in this game after really, really, really not looking like it in game one. Uh but what I want to offer you in the third segment is some some reasonable solutions to how the Blazers can bounce back because they they didn't look very good, but I don't I think I don't think they're 30 points worse than the Lakers. And if Dame's available, they've got a chance. So that's what we'll talk about in the third segment. Some some reasonable solutions. But before we get to those reasonable solutions, I want to tell you all about DoorDash, a reasonable solution in its own right. Y'all know DoorDash? It's the app that brings you food. It brings your food right to your door. You just order it right on the app. It's easy. Open the DoorDash app. That's step one. Choose what you want to eat. That's step two. Step three is they'll leave the food right outside your door with a new contact t- contactless delivery system. That seems pretty simple, right? It gets better than that. There's over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, and Canada that are right there on DoorDash. So you can get your local go-tos or you can get your national favorites. You want Chipotle? You want Cheesecake Factory? They got it. Just hit up DoorDash. And right now, my listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDON for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still talking Blazers game two loss at the hands of Los Angeles Lakers. And we're still loving that new music from Dre Slaps. Thank you, Dre. So we talked Damian Lillard's injury. Oh, I'm playing. Is what the man said after the game. No hesitation. Oh, I'm playing. We talked about what the Lakers did differently and what they just did better. Now I want to offer you some some solutions for the Blazers. It didn't look good, but I kind of think they're not this bad. They are worse than the Lakers. That isn't even a hot take. That isn't even a take. That's just a fact. The Lakers had won 52 games this year. Blazers were sub-500. They're just, they're different. They look, they're improved. But the Blazers, they were... They were outplayed so so much in game two that it felt like an outlier to me. So here is a, here is a here are some simple solutions. Some simple solutions I offer. One, you have to take more free throws. You have to, the Blazers took thirty three free throws in game in game one. Uh, I believe it was listener Jonathan who said, "Can the Blazers just win the game win the series by shooting more free throws?" And I kind of laughed it off. Um, and I still think like that the simplicity of that is too much right like um maybe if everything else were equal and the blazers got to the free throw line a little bit more or just made more free throws they might win but um but i think it was i think it's a good point like i jonathan i think you it highlights in game two the issue is that the blazers just have to 
they have to take it to LA a little bit more. Not that they like weren't aggressive, that they weren't passive. Um, I think they looked, I think they maybe like the, the simple solution is to say they looked a little bit tired and sure they've been playing forever. Fatigue's definitely a factor, but they didn't lose because of fatigue. They lost because for some simple reasons. One, they didn't shoot enough free throws. Carmelo Anthony took zero. Yusuf Nurkic took zero. CJ McCollum took two. Dame had five. They only took 16 free throws in this game. They got to shoot 30 free throws to win. That's solution number one. Be aggressive enough to attempt 30 free throws. Blazers are like an 80% free throw shooting team. That's some free points. It's not as simple as like make them foul you. I don't mean to to like simplify it that much, but they're a good enough offensive team and they can move they can, they are capable of moving the ball and creating mismatches enough to get to the free throw line. Um, you know, Nurk was just early on in the bubble was just getting cheapy fouls on rip through moves. Get yourself in the bonus, however you gotta do it, get to the free throw line, make it easy. Step two is do not get killed on the offensive glass. The Los Angeles Lakers had an offensive rebound rate of 31%. They grabbed 30% of their own misses. That's a freaking nightmare. Anthony Davis, three offensive boards. JaVale McGee, five offensive boards. Those dudes, particularly real bullies. Uh, JaVale was way, way too impactful in this game. 10 points, eight boards, three assists in 13 minutes. You just, you got him, you you need to play him off the court. Make the make them do something else. Don't get shoot free throws. Don't get killed on the glass. Right? These are these are basically um, the Dean Oliver's four factors. One or three. One. I give you two, and then I'm gonna start at one. This is this is where my head is at right now. Um, too many numbers. Third third key. Have CJ bring up the ball. Not every time down the floor, but Dame and CJ kind of feel it out. Um, these aren't like... Terry Stotts estimates he calls about half the plays. Um, I think it's a little more than that, if I had to guess. It might be a little less in the playoffs once you really get into it. Maybe Dame has more control. But I think it's about half um, that Dame gets to call himself. But but So him and CJ kind of just communicate, hey, do you want to go? Do I want to go? Um, you know, Who brings it up? Who initiates? Have CJ bring it up. He's not as good a facilitator. He's not as good of a pick-and-roll maestro. He doesn't get guys into their stuff because he's going to go look to score. But having Dame have slightly more possessions where when he crosses half court, all 10 eyes aren't on him, easy solution. Number four, abandon the Carmelo Anthony post-ups when he's guarded by other power forwards. If he is in the post against LeBron, that is not a mismatch. If he is in the post against Markeith Morris, that is not a mismatch. I'm not saying don't post up Carmelo Anthony. I, I kind of am because like it's not that an efficient of an offense, but absolutely do not post him up against power forwards. What the hell is the point? There is no, there is you just you just aren't getting the benefit from that one. And number five, my final solution: throw multiple defenses at him at Anthony Davis. I don't think there's one solution. Uh, the difference in game one, Anthony Davis, and game two, Anthony Davis, is that he he realized that he's so much better going towards the rim. He stopped taking jumpers. He stopped taking weird leaners. Um, he didn't just try to use his length to get shots up. He really was assertive. He scored a couple points just on straight hustle stuff. Just, you know, sprinting and hustling. 
And so my solution would be to throw multiple looks at him. Let on some of these looks double him immediately on the catch. On other times, uh, just straight wall him up. Come help early and and, and try to lure him into passing uh, and see if you can maybe beat the Blazers aren't a very good and defensive rotation. So you're maybe playing with fire a little bit, but coax him into get, giving that ball up by having a, a, a slow double where the guy comes about halfway. He sees it. He sees the double team and reacts early. And then finally just switch up. Who's on him? Have it be Wenyan once and let him use his length and his speed. Have it be Nurk once and have him try to lean on him. Get, show him as many different looks as you possibly can. I thought in game two, it was just a little too obvious for him. He knew that if he sprinted, he could catch on the move. And if he caught on, he was catching a lot of passes on the move. And on the move, the Blazers couldn't react to him. I think you gotta, you, you got to show him a bunch of different things so he can't just beat you by saying, oh, I'm going to slip this screen and now I'm too strong for Wendy Gabriel or I'm too quick for Hassan Whiteside and, and Yusuf Nurkic. you got to make him catch stationary and then give him a bunch of different defensive looks. Those are my solutions. Game three, Saturday night. I'll have a show that posts Sunday after that one. We're going to see Dame in that one. Oh, I'm playing. He said it. So we'll see him then. Blazers can bounce back. They're not as bad as they were in game two. Lakers are a tough task. But it ain't over yet, y'all. This is fun. It's fun. 1-1 in a playoff series against the Lakers. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. One more thanks to my man, Dre Slaps. New heat for the podcast. New music for the podcast. Very excited to be repping one of Portland's own. Check him out wherever you get music. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.